Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So tonight we're going to continue uh, the conversation on peace. I really believe that one of our, if not the greatest gifts from God that we receive as children of God is the peace of God. That in times of trouble, in times of discomfort, we can always call upon the name of Jesus and know that there's going to be peace. Know that even when things aren't perfect, when things aren't going maybe according to plan, we still have access to a peace that is unexplainable, that goes beyond our understanding. A peace that even though things might be going crazy and chaotic on the outside, you have something constant on the inside. And that's the peace of God. Amen. Stand to your feet as we read God's word. We're going to Jump into Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. This is uh, Moses. He's being talked to by God from a burning bush. You think you've had a crazy day. Imagine Moses' day, right? God is speaking to him from a burning bush, and he begins to explain to him how he desires for his people, the, the people of Israel, to be freed from the change of Egypt, and he begins to explain to Moses how he has chosen him to be the vehicle that he uses to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And this is the response by Moses to the Lord when he is asked of this. It says in verse 10, it says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. He said, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, well, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear or see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Everybody say go. He said, now go. Isn't it funny? He said, I know you're insecure. Now go. Right? I know maybe you don't have all of it figured out, but go. You know, I know maybe you don't have all the tools in your toolbox you think you need for the job, but go anyways. He said, go. Why? He said, because I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Isn't that awesome? Here's the title for tonight. Positioned for Peace positioned for peace. Let's pray over this this message and this this opportunity we have with Jesus tonight together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this atmosphere, God. We thank you, Father, that we adhere to your will tonight, that we're not here for any other name but the name of Jesus, and we're here, Father, to surrender to you. So, God, we surrender our mind, our body, our soul, Father. We surrender all to you tonight. And, Father, we thank you for open minds and soft hearts in this place, God, that everybody under the sound of my voice, God, in present and online, that we're ready to engage and to experience your best tonight. And we thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for change breaking. We thank you, God, that we're not going to leave this place as the same person that we walked in as, but we're going to leave, Father, with a greater understanding and revelation of who you are and who we are in your name. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says... Amen, amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise tonight. Y'all can be seated. Y'all can be seated. Thank y'all for reading in honor of God's word. So it's about three or four years ago now, uh, my 
family and I, we went on a trip um, to, um, to, to Hawaii, and we went down a really, at first, it seemed like a very shady hike. We went down to this, like, I don't know if y'all have ever been to this, this place in, in Maui, but it was complete jungle. And so we show up to this place, and it's just a, it's just a, it looks like we just got dropped in the middle of Jurassic Park, okay? It looked like jungle everywhere. And then we begin to be told that we are going to go out on a hike, and we're going to hike throughout this jungle, and we're going to uh, make stops along the way at different waterfalls. And, and even though it looked very intimidating, what gave me peace and gave me confidence is that even though I didn't know where I was or where I was going, that there was a guide present with us that was going to lead us down this hike. And even though maybe I've never been there, even though maybe I didn't even know where these places and waterfalls were at where we were going, because there was a guide who's been there and done that and has gone down that hike many times, we had complete confidence even though we didn't know what was going on. Really, as sons and daughters of God, that should be the same way we should treat how we live life with Jesus. Because we are on this life, maybe we don't know where we are, where we're going, but we have a God with us. Amen? And we have a God who is able to take us down paths and take us down in, into places in his will that maybe we don't know exactly where it ends, but we should have complete peace and confidence about where we're going. Because we have a guide who is leading us. And that, that's why we have a relationship with our Savior, because he knows what's beginning from the end. He knows you better than you know yourself. So if there's somebody that we should follow after, if there's somebody that should be our guide as we go down this trek called life, it should be Jesus Christ, right? Because you can't trust yourself because you really don't know how, as much as you think you know. And you really can't trust people because we've been there, done that, right? But you can trust the name of Jesus because he has not only know where you're going, but he knows why you're going there. He knows exactly where you should go. And that is why we have to trust the guide that we have in the Holy Spirit, the guide that we have in Jesus leading us down the path of our purpose. Another reason why I was really confident in the guide that was leading us down this, this, this hike, and we were going through waterfalls, and we we're going through, like, we we're going through knee-deep water to get there. We were going through this hike. Like, literally, there wasn't a path. Like, we were making our way through the trees, but we had complete confidence because not only had this guide done that hike many times and knew what was on the way, but this guide was, was a certified guide, right? This guide wasn't somebody who um, just got up one day and said, I'm going to lead people down on hikes, right? This person went and is experienced and educated and really became a, a professional, qualified guide, certified in what they were doing. In the same way, you and I can trust that Jesus is certified to be our guide. Scripture actually says it like this in Hebrews 4, verse 15. It says, the high priest of ours understands. Everybody say understands understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So that scripture is saying that not only do we serve this God who knows you better than you do, but he understands what you're going through, and he has passed the test, and now he is certified Savior of you and I. Why? Because he did not sin. 
And so we serve a certified guide. And when he defeated death, hell, and the grave, now we know we can follow him down this path and know we won't be lost. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So we serve a God that is certified. We serve a God who, who not only can lead us down the path, but he can understand why we have trouble going down that path. Because it says he experienced all the same weaknesses. And, and so how can we really, what we're going to talk about tonight is how can we get into a place of position? How can we get into a place down this path with Jesus to where even when things don't look how we think they should, we do not deter off the path. We don't try to make our own way. We don't try to blaze our own trail. Instead, we say, God, even when things look kind of shady, like when we went down that hike, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Right? I don't know if I can. If I, if I lose this guide, I'm lost. Like I need to have some type of like life alert on me to signal people because I will be lost. In the same way, we have to treat that falling after Jesus saying, God, I do not want to lose sight of you. I don't want to lose sight of where you're going because if I ever try to go out on my own, I know I will become lost. Because we serve a God who not, who not only knows us better than we do, but he's leading us down that path. And so we're talking about how can we position ourselves in the right way with Jesus and when Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus and he was talking about the armor of God, kind of a review from this past Sunday, he said this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. He says, and as shoes for your, for your feet, having put on the readiness, everybody say readiness, readiness given by the gospel of peace. If you look into that word readiness, what that word is trying to, to communicate is for you to be in the correct position, to be ready. Right, how we talked about on Sunday to be in the correct position for when God needs to is going somewhere for us to be in the correct position to respond. And so Paul is saying, if you are in the correct position given by the gospel, and the gospel is the good news, right? The gospel is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the gospel. And so what Paul is saying is that if you position yourself in the right way with the right understanding that Jesus is the one and the only, if you position yourself in that way of mind and spirit, you're going to have peace. It's going to position you for peace. But how do we make sure we're in the right position? Paul also communicated to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, follow my example. Everybody say example. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So Paul was saying this, I am not a self-guided person. I'm not a person who follows after my own will. No, I'm a spirit-guided individual who puts down my will to pick up the will of God. And if I do that, I know I'm going to be going down the right path. Because if you try to choose anybody else besides the name of Jesus Christ to be our guide in this life, it's going to lead us down the wrong path. Do we have any witnesses in the house who know, hey, I tried to go down that path on my own? Right? I tried to follow that person. I tried to follow that politician. I tried to follow that possession. Whatever was driving you besides the name of Jesus, who knows, it drove us down the wrong road. So Paul was saying, how do you make sure that you're going where you're supposed to go? Follow the example that Christ set before us. And really the greatest way and the only way for us to follow after Jesus is that we have to trust that Jesus is 
who he says he is. I remind myself of this a lot of times because when I go through difficulties or I go through, really, I'm, I'm confused. I have to remind myself that I really believe that Jesus is the way. I have to remind myself I really believe that Jesus is the life and he, that he really is the truth. Because if I truly believe that, even when things get a little bit cloudy, I'm still going to follow after him. Because if I truly believe that even when things don't go according to my plan, even when things get a little bit uncomfortable, it's not going to drive me off the path that God sets before me. But instead, I'm going to say, no, I know the truth, I know the way, and I know the life, and his name is Jesus. Nothing's going to deter me. I'm going to follow after his name. If you honor and really truly, you have to trust. Everybody say trust. You have to trust in what God says is for you. And that's really what leads us back to Moses, because Moses, if you read his story, he has a lot of excuses. Excuses. Excuse me. He had a lot of excuses. He, he really didn't trust God with his plan. He had, he had all these reasons as not to trust. He had all these reasons as to say, well, did you think about this God? Did you think about that? He had all these excuses and and really what we're going to talk about tonight is three different areas of Moses' life that he had to trust with God for him to be able to be positioned for peace. So are you all ready tonight? So Moses, if you know his story, a quick review, Moses spent his first 40 years in Egypt as a prince, right? If you know the story, he was born of a Jew, but... By really God's protection, he was able to be raised up in the, as a life, as, as a prince of Egypt. And he spent his first 40 years as a prince in Egypt. And, and in him witnessing a really something that made his, his spirit man jump, he, he, he witnessed his fellow Israelite be beaten by an Egyptian soldier. And, and out of his really boldness for justice, he he killed that Egyptian, if you know the story, and, and instead of him getting awarded for his boldness, because the question you got to ask, as I ask myself, is, well, wasn't, isn't that God's goal was to free the people of Israel, right? Wasn't that the purpose on Moses' life was to free the people of Israel? So why is Moses getting in trouble for trying to get the justice for, for the Israelites that God wanted? Because he went out and he killed that Egyptian, and instead of being rewarded, because it wasn't God's timing nor God's tactics, it says that Moses did that out of his own desires, out of his own anger. Because it wasn't his correct timing nor tactics, he had to flee Egypt. And he spent the next 40 years in a, in a, in a land of Midian, and he spent the, ne the, the next part of his life not living as a prince, but living as a lowly shepherd. Even though he had the passion to free the people of Israel, because he wasn't positioned in the right way, he, he spent the next 40 years in, in Midian. And in Midian, the, the Hebrew definition for Midian is this, is strife and conflict. Everybody say strife. strife. Have you ever been in a place where you said, you know what? This isn't where I thought I would be, because that's Midian. Have you ever been in, have a job? You said, I never saw myself having this job, right? That's Midian. Have you ever been to a place you said, I never thought I would be buried in this much debt, right? That's Midian. 
He was in a place of strife and conflict. He was in a place that he said, hey, how, how did I get here? How did I get to this place to where I never thought I would ever find myself in, in so much really cloud of anxiety and depression and I feel like I missed my opportunity and he spent the next 40 years in a land called Midian living as a shepherd when he was called to lead out the people of Israel and I'm sure Moses was filled with regrets and disappointment and because Moses was used to the privilege of living as a prince but now he finds himself as a lowly shepherd and he spends the next 40 years as a shepherd before God, before God appears to him in a burning bush. Now, if you're Moses, you're probably thinking, when he's spending that time in Midian, you're probably thinking to yourself, I missed it. I missed my opportunity. I've missed my calling. I've missed my purpose. If you've ever been into a time of life where you feel so down and out, you kind of convince yourself that I have missed out on God's best. I have missed out on my purpose. And really, the goal of the enemy is for you to get so stuck in that mindset that you remain in Midian, that you remain in that mindset, that you remain in that thought process of saying, I made a mistake, I've missed out, so therefore i got to live the rest of my life in a place of strife and conflict. I got to live the rest of my life stuck in this. And, and Moses could have lived like that. And I think some, some of us, we can get caught up in that because he, he spent 40 years there. I don't know if I could have spent four years in that, in that place. He spent 40 years in Midian before God called him out of the burning bush. And if I'm Moses, I'm saying, God, what's up with that timing, right? Like, I could be just as useful as 40 than 80, Okay. Like, you know, and it, and it could have confused him as, as why it took him so long. And really in Scripture, we know that God waited 40 years because he had, to, he had to wait for all the people who wanted to kill Moses to die before he called Moses to the, to the place where he's supposed to go. And, and really that encourages me because some of us, we think that God has passed us by, but really God is preparing something for us. We think God has passed us by and we're stuck in Midian, but God is really preparing something for us even better. And that if we are just patient with the process, one day God's going to knock on our door and all of a sudden the opportunity's there. One day we're going to be walking around and a burning bush is calling our name. But the key is what is our response going to be in that moment? Because if you don't trust the timing of God, I, I guarantee you'd be frustrated right now. If you don't trust God's timing, I'm, I guarantee you're saying, you know what, God has passed me by. I don't know why he's, he's calling me at the age of 80. I can barely walk, and I'm supposed to lead people out of this place? Watch what Moses' response was. This is when God calls him out from the, from the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. This is his response. It says, when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush he said, Moses, Moses. Well, I thought, verse 5, do you have verse 5? If we don't have verse 5, here's what it says. If you know the scripture, this is what he says. He says, here I am. And to me, that hit me really hard because if I'm waiting 40 years, and then all of a sudden I hear that bush say, Caleb, Caleb, I'm about to say, I'm saying, God, where have you been? <laughs> right? I'm saying, God, I'm too old. Not you, Siri. I'm saying, God, what took you so long, right? 
But he said, here I am. What are you going to say when God calls on your name? Are you going to say, God, where have you been? Are you say, God, this doesn't make sense? Are you going to say, God, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that? Or are you going to say, God, you've called, and now here I am. God, I know it wasn't according to my timing, but here I am. God, I know it's been 40 years as a shepherd, but here I am. God, I know I spent way too long, longer than I thought at this entry-level job, but here I am to answer your calling. God, I hear I am. If you, trust, if you trust God's timing, you're going to always be in that moment and that mindset of saying, God, I'm ready at any time. And it's not about when. It's not about my timing. It's about your timing. And that's point one for, for tonight is that we have to trust God. Everybody say trust. We have to trust God with the timing. You want to eliminate fear about the future Trust God with the timing. You want to eliminate the anxiety that's keeping you up at night? Trust God about tomorrow. You want to be able to eliminate those insecurities when you think about where you're going to be in five years? Trust God with the timing, and all of a sudden that peace is going to start to come back to you. All of a sudden that peace is going to be able to go into your spirit, and you're going to have a firm foundation. Why? Because you're not, you're not worried about when. You're not staying up late at night saying, God, when is this going to happen? Instead, you're saying, God, I trust you with your timing. I trust you with how and when it's going to happen. God, I trust you. Even if it doesn't happen according to my Google calendar, God, I still trust you anyways. God, even if it doesn't happen how I thought or when it should, God, I'm going to trust you anyways. And if you trust God's timing, the enemy's not going to be able to convince you that you have been passed by any longer. The enemy's not going to be able to convince you of saying, oh, See, look at all your friends around you. They're way further than you are. Has God passed you by? We're going to say, oh, look at all these. Look, look at the five-year plan you wrote 10 years ago. You're nowhere near that. And the enemy will try to convince you to not trust God with the timing that he has. But if you trust God with, your, with the timing, all those things, all those insecurities will fall away. Because if you don't trust God and you try to do things on your own time, I've learned this. If you try to do God's will on your own time, you're going to try to do God's will on your own dime. Amen? Because it's going to cost you something. It's going to make you have to find out saying some mistakes along the way, some, some heartbreak along the way, some hard lessons along the way. I know I learned in my life that when I try to make God's will happen on my timing that I had to get a slap on the wrist, right, of God saying, no, you can't do my will your way. No, you can't do what I have purposed you to do without the power that needs it to be done. But when you line things up with God's timing, that's when the Red Sea parts. If Moses would have gone to that Red Sea at the age of 40 and said, be part, nothing would have happened. He had to wait for the timing of God for it to take place. See, it's really God's timing that positions us for his peace. Whenever I get questions about especially young people and youth and, and YAs, and they're saying, well, this person, you know, we, we can tell that we have aligned values and we really like each other so that does that mean we need to be together now I said I will say look you got to pray about that because God's will 
out of his timing is not God's will. It might be God's will for y'all to be together, but if you try to rush things, if you try to make things happen your way or on your timing, God's will outside of his timing is not God's will anymore. And you can mess up things that God has for you in the future because you want it now. Because you're saying, God, I want that now. I want to be there now. And if you will miss out on God's best because you couldn't trust his timing. But you don't have to understand God's timing to trust it. You don't have to see how everything's going to work out in the five years from now and how God's going to plan everything out to trust it. That's why it takes faith to follow after Christ. That's why it takes a step of faith to say, God, I don't really know how this timing's going to work out. I don't really know how, where it's going to be in five years. But God, even though I don't understand it, I'm still going to trust it. Even though I don't fully understand how all this is going to take place, I'm still going to trust it. God, even though I maybe am discouraged by things not happening how I think it should happen or when, but God, I'm still going to trust you. Because I think that's what God really looks for is what do we do when things don't go according to our timing? Do we give up on God's plan? Do we say, well, God, you didn't do it when I wanted you to do it, so I'm going to go and try to do something on my own. Or, God, you didn't happen when I thought it should happen, so I'm going to try and make it happen on my own. Or we say, God, I'm going to trust your timing anyways. God, I'm going to trust you anyways. Even if things aren't going according to plan, I'm still going to trust you. Even though maybe I thought I would be married by now, I'm still going to trust you. I'm going to find the right one. Amen? I'm not going to settle for anything less, right? Even though maybe I'm not exactly where I thought I should be in my career, I'm still going to trust you. I'm not going to settle for anything less. Why? Because God's timing is what positions us for his purpose. God's timing is what positions us for his peace. So if we say, God, I'm not worrying about what is next. I'm not worrying about five years from now. All I'm worrying about, God, is am I following you right now? And if I follow you right now, I'm going to be where I need to be in the next. If I say yes to you right now, I know, and, and I do that each and every day, and say, God, I just trust you with the timing. I'm going to be where you want me. I know I'm going to be where I should be. I know I'm going to be exactly where you've called me to be, because that's how it works out, is that we only are able to be in God's purpose by trusting him. Amen? In Exodus chapter 4, So God calls Moses to lead the people of Israel. He calls them and he begins to really explain how he is going to have it all work out, right? He begins to have miracles and signs and wonders in front of him. He begins to turn his staff into a serpent. He begins to to show them the, the marvelous miracles of God. And after he says all this, and really I can, I, kind of, I can kind of see God get frustrated in this moment, especially in the opening scripture when, when God was like, don't you know that I create the, the mouths to speak and the ears to hear? What, who are you to say that you can't talk, right? But he begins to explain all these things and review in verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. He said, oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. He says, I never have been. I'm not now. Everybody say now. Yes. Said I never have been. I'm not now. And even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Moses was saying, even though you have shown me all these marvelous and miraculous signs that you have all the power, I still am insecure about trusting you with where I lack. I'm still insecure about trusting you with my 
abilities or lack of abilities. I'm still, I'm still insecure about that. And then he says three things that I believe that the enemy tries to convince us of when it comes to our abilities. He says, I never have been. I'm not now. And even though you've spoken to me, it's still not going to happen. And the enemy will try to convince us of the abilities that God has given us. He will try to convince us that you're not good. You never have been. And even if God was with you, you still wouldn't be good enough. They may try to convince you you've never been a good businessman. You're not a good businessman now. And even if God spoke to you, you still wouldn't be a good businessman. Or you had, you've never been a good parent. You're not a good parent now. And even if God spoke to you, you wouldn't be a good parent. Because the enemy's trying to convince you to not trust God with your abilities and the talents he's given you. Because the enemy knows what happens when we begin to align the talents and the abilities that God has given us with the purpose that God aligned us for. The enemy knows what happens when we say, you know what, God, instead of me trying to make it happen on my own and rely on the lack that I have, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you my talent. I'm going to give you my abilities. And even though maybe it doesn't seem like it would be able to, to work out on itself, I know that you will make up the difference. I know that God will make up the difference of where I lack. I know that, say, God, I know I may not have all the abilities that society says I need to be a leader, but I'm going to trust you with the difference. Or maybe I don't have the education or the degrees that society says I need, but I'm going to trust you that when I don't have the words to say, you're going to speak it for me. Or when I don't have the understanding of wisdom, I know that I can lean on you for it. And that's really where our potential meets God's purpose. Because without us lining up with God, even if we have all the talent and abilities, we'll never reach our potential. We only reach our potential when we line up our, our abilities, we line up our talents, and we line it up with God's will. That's the only time we reach our potential. There's been so many people, I know there's so many testimonies in this house that we had gifts and abilities, but the moment we lined up with God, it seemed like a, a switch turned on and God's blessings came down. Why? Because now we have the potential to line up with our purpose. That's point two for, for tonight is to trust God with your talent. Everybody say talent. Because here, here's the thing. In Acts 7.22, this is about Moses. It says, Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful. Everybody say powerful. In both speech and action. So that scripture actually says that Moses was a good speaker. He was a good communicator. Matter of fact, it says that he became one of the greatest communicators and leaders of all time. So it wasn't that he didn't have talent. It's that he didn't trust God with the talent he had. It wasn't that he didn't have abilities. It's that he didn't trust God with the abilities that he had because he tried to do everything on his own. And sometimes the last person we, we call upon is the name of Jesus when it comes to our abilities. We say, hey, let, me, let me try my best. Let me try to figure it out on my own, and then, uh, then maybe I'll give you a call, God. But if we say, God, I want to start this with you. Not, I don't want you to be my last resort, God. I want you to be my, my first response to say, God, I want to do life with you each and every day. I don't want to wait until things fail before I start having faith again. I don't want to wait until things start to break down before I say, God, I really do need you. Because I don't know about you, that's a hard life to live is, is go from breakdown to breakdown. And once God breaks it through, like, thank you, God, I'll see you next time I'm in trouble, right? But that's why consistency is in the highs and the lows. 
when the day is sunny and not sunny, right? Good and bad days. Say, God, I'm going to trust you each and every day. I'm never going to put too much trust in my abilities that I pull away from your will. No, God, I trust you with my abilities. Because when we begin to trust God with what really he has given us, because we all know that God has created us in such a unique way. I, I don't know if you need to hear this and be reminded of this, but you are uniquely and wonderfully made. That you are made in the image of God and that you have been made in such a way that nobody can take your place. That's why it's so important for us to do our purpose. Because if we don't do our purpose, nobody else can. Because God created a purpose for us to follow. And that's why we're so uniquely and wonderfully made. But when we trust God with the abilities that he's given us, that's when it goes from maybe just an ability that we have to an anointing. That's when it goes from something that we just do to something that now we have joined arms with our Father in heaven, become co-laborers, and now we have an anointing to do it. That's when you go from just a businessman to an anointed businessman, amen? That's when you just go from somebody who can sing to an anointed worship leader, amen? That's when you go from somebody who maybe just has a, a, an ability. Now you say, no, now I'm anointed for it. Why? Because God brings the anointing. I might have the ability, but God brings the anointing, and I don't want to be a, a limited person by my own ability. I want to walk in the endless authority that's in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's when it goes from an ability to an anointing. I don't want it to rely on my own abilities. I want to make sure that I can be able to walk in the anointing with God. I want to make sure that I can trust God with all the, with all the gifts that he has given me. Sometimes it can seem so... Elementary, right? Just give back to God what he already gave, gave to you. But it's really in that transfer where the, where the anointing is at. When you say, God, you know what? I, I trust you with these abilities. I trust you with these talents. I trust you with what you gave me. Because I don't want to live a life falling short of the purpose that you have. Why? Because I didn't trust you with what you gave me. But God, I want to trust you with what you give me, God. I want to trust you with my talents and abilities. God, I want to... I want to trust you with all the things you have given me. And here's the thing. When you get into that place, into that position of life, something happens to your peace. Something happens to where, hey, even though you feel like you do not have enough experience, it's not about what you have on your own anyways because you gave me that to God. And now instead of saying that same old insecurity that the enemy reminds you of, of saying you don't know enough to do this, Instead of that holding you back, now you're saying, well, it's not about me anyways. It's not about what I know anyways. It's about me saying, God, I give that to you, and I'm going to follow after your leading. And although maybe I don't have a complete understanding, I'm going to trust you to come up and to bridge the gap. I'm going to trust that God's going to make up the difference. I'm going to trust maybe I don't on my own have the best ability to be the, the parent I know I should be. But, God, that's where you step in. That's where your spirit steps in to give me peace, to give me, right, the, the patience I need, the love that I need. Because I want to go out and I want to set the right example in my family and in my house. But that's only done by the anointing. That's only us by saying, God, I trust you with the talents and abilities you have given me. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, trust God with it. Trust God with it. So Moses, he finds himself doubting whether or not they 
would be able to overcome the problems and opposition. Because if you read the scripture, it goes back and forth, and then Moses begins to make excuse after excuse, and God says, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. Then he says, you know what, God, in, in Exodus verse 3, verse 13, Moses just says he protested. He says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am. Everybody say, I am. He says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. See, whenever we enter a trial, whenever we enter into a trouble and an opposition, we begin to question whether or not we have what it takes to put past this trouble. But we got to remember who sent us down this path anyways. we got to remember who we're following after anyways because we're not following after our own devices. We're not following after our own plans. We're following after the name of Jesus, the great I am. And so whenever we go against a barrier, when we go against trouble, instead of us saying, how am I going to figure this out? I'm going to say, hey, how can I rely on the great I am in this moment? Because he's the one who has the power to push us back all the barriers anyway. Psalms 46.1 says this, that God is our refuge. Everybody say refuge. Our refuge and strength and an ever-present help in trouble. Says so it doesn't matter what we're going through. God will always be present when we are in trouble. It doesn't matter where we are at. God will always be present even when we're in the middle of the trial and we're in the middle of what we feel like, like how Moses was saying, how we're going to get past this trouble. But God was saying, look, the great I am is here. The great I am is here. And so you tell those people that maybe you don't have it all together as Moses, but Moses plus God equals everything you need. You might not have everything that you need on your own, but you plus the great I am is everything that you need. People might question, hey, how do you know? How do you know how to lead? How do you know what the best decision to make? Say, look, on my own, I don't know, but with the great I am, I know everything I need to know. How do you know what the best steps to take? On my own, I don't, but I'm not on my own. When I get in trouble, I don't rely on my own self to get me out of it. When I meet a trial, I don't rely on myself to, to get past it. I know that God is an ever-present help in the time of trial. Point three, four, ten is this, is trust God with the trials. Everybody say trials. Trust God with the trials. Trust God with the trouble, the trials. Trust God any time that you feel like you are in a place of life that you can't begin to figure out how you're going to get out of this Begin to trust God with those trials and those troubles. Because if you don't, those trials and troubles will keep you up at night. If you, if you don't trust God with that financial issue, trouble that you're going through, it's going to keep you up at night. If you don't trust God with maybe that relational issue, it's going to keep you up at night. It's not gonna, you're not going to have peace. But you say, God, I'm in trouble, but I know you're present, so I trust you with this trial. God, I don't know what's going on right now. I'm not in the best position I thought I should be, but I trust you with this trial. And if you have that, peace will be with you. See, true peace is not about avoiding trouble. True peace isn't about us avoiding the storm. 
True peace isn't about us saying, how can I stay out of discomfort, right? True peace is saying, God, even though I'm in this storm, even though I'm in this trouble, for some reason I still have peace. True peace is saying the world's going crazy. It's chaotic. I don't know if you've watched the news. I don't suggest it, but a lot of crazy things are going on, right? But even though everybody's going crazy, why do we have peace? What makes the difference? It's that we have the great I am with us in our troubles. We have the, the great I am with us even when we are in a storm. And that's really what the peace of God is. It's the peace of God is not us being able to be out of storms and out of trouble. The peace of God is in us being into, being, staying in our comfort zone. I was talking to somebody today and we are talking about God's peace and we are like, God's peace is, is not our comfort zone. Because sometimes you can be confused. You can feel like, hey, I'm so comfortable right now. Life is good. This must be God. Right? Everything's so good. There's no trouble. I'm in my, I'm not being challenged. I'm not being pushed. I'm, I'm this good where I'm at. This must be God's peace. And then we double down on our comfort zone. But then as soon as things get uncomfortable, we don't have peace. But God's peace isn't just being in our comfort zone. It's, it's even when we're outside of the comfort zone, we still have peace. God sends his peace to comfort us. So if we're already comfortable, God can't send his peace. And I'm not saying that we're supposed to live in a constant storm, but I'm saying that even if a storm comes, we're not supposed to lose our peace. That even when trouble comes, we're not supposed to say, oh, my gosh, God, you've left me. But say, God, you're still with me. Even in the middle of my trials, the great I am. Everybody say the great I am. The great I am is still with me. John 8, 57 this is Jesus talking to a group of Pharisees, and he's really offending them by what he is saying. And he says, the people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? Because Jesus said, hey, I've seen Abraham. So you aren't even 50. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was ever born, I am. Before Abraham was even, even thought of, before all this was ever together, Jesus Christ says, I was here. I am is with us. I am, the great I am is on the inside of us. Jesus said, the great I am is the one who sent Moses. So I was the one who sent Moses. The, the great I am is the one who split the Red Sea. So I'm the one who split the Red Sea. And here's what's awesome about that is that as long as we have the great I am on the inside of us, it doesn't matter what's in front of us. It doesn't matter what the enemy is trying to come against us. God will split the Red Sea. God will make a way. God will push back any kind of trouble and tribulation. Why? Because the great I am is with us. Amen? We have to remind ourselves on who is on the inside of us. Because God will turn whatever we're going through. God will turn that trial. God will turn that trouble. And we will look back and say, it looked like a trial then, but now I know that was the trail I was supposed to go down. Now I see that God was with me and God used that experience and God began to do miracles. Some of the greatest and most awesome, marvelous things that God's ever done in my life has been in the times of trouble. 
has been in the times of saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to try and figure this out on my own. No, even though I'm going through something, I'm going to lean in closer with the great I am. I'm going to lean in even closer to, 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 the, to the peace and purpose that, God, you have on the inside of me. And all of a sudden, God began to do something. I don't know if you're in this place with the same experience right now. You're saying, God, I'm in trouble right now. God, I'm, I'm in a trial right now. God, I feel like I'm going through something that I can't figure out. Let me encourage you that the great I am is with you. That the same God who split the Red Sea, the same God who, who rose from the grave is on the inside of us. And as long as we don't give in to those times of trouble, as long as we say, God, I'm not going to abandon you, God will never abandon us. It's never about God strain far from us it's always about us straying too far from God but if we keep God close and say God even in these times of trouble because the enemy will try to convince you that when things aren't going wrong for you to push God further away and begin to blame God when things aren't going according to plan but it's in those times of trouble and trials right that's when we're supposed to bring God even closer to us Scripture says that he's a great refuge. Scripture says that he will protect us even in the times of trouble. And I don't know about you, but in those times, I don't need things of this world. I need things of heaven to help me. I, I, I can't rely on the possessions I have in the times of trouble for peace. No, I got to rely on Jesus for the times of trouble for peace. I got to rely on something that's greater than what the eyes can see, something greater than what this world can offer, I have to rely on something greater, amen? And that's the name of Jesus. Can we believe that? Give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Come on, I'm closing. Y'all can stand to y'all's feet. I'm closing. I want to close with this scripture in Isaiah 26, verse 3. I want to close with this scripture. He said, you will keep in perfect peace. Everybody say peace. He said, you'll keep in perfect peace all who trust. Everybody say trust. All who trust in you. All who trust in you. I think there's times when we're going through something that the enemy begins to try to take away our trust in God in those moments. And instead of trusting God in those moments, we maybe put more trust in our abilities or people or, or money or culture, whatever it is. But he said, God will keep us in perfect peace for those who trust. And really, that's what it all boils down to is, God, am I going to trust you when things get tough? God, am I going to trust you even when the trials here, even when things are going according to plan? God, am I going to trust you? Because it's really in that moment when we are squeezed that we see what's on the inside of us. Am I going to be the type that when I'm in trouble, I refer back to my old nature, refer back to things that I, of the old, or am I say, God, I'm going to trust you in these times? God, I'm going to trust you even though things aren't going according to plan. God, I'm going to trust you with all my heart, with all my strength. I'm going to trust you, God, even things aren't going how I think it should go. Because when we trust God, we are positioned for his peace.
That's what our closing thought for tonight is this. Is that our trust, everybody say trust. Our trust in God positions us for peace. When all we have is just our trust in God, that's all we need to be positioned for God's peace. With every head bowed and eyes closed, well, I just want to praise for anybody who feels like they are in the middle of trouble, who feels like they aren't able to have that peace that they need, who feels like they are stretched thin and have anxious minds and are not able to fully walk with the peace that they are called to walk with. But God, right now we pray for every person on the sound of my voice, Father, that we trust you. We put all of our trust in you, God. That we're not going to look to the left or to the right, God, but we're going to focus on you tonight. And God, that we are going to be positioned for peace, not by our possessions, not by people, but our trust in you, God. So right now, Father, we put all of our trust in you, God. Right now, Father, we begin to this, God, lay down all of our insecurities. God, we trust you with the timing. God, if we are struggling, Father, with the timing of your will and your plan, God, right now, God, we set that aside and we trust you with the timing. That we trust you with how and when it's going to happen. We trust you with, Father, when you're going to do it. God, we trust you with the timing. And God, we trust you, God, with our talents and our abilities that we don't want to rely on what we have alone. But God, we want to partner with you. We want to be co-laborers with you. We want to be able, God, for, to attach our talents and abilities and give it back to you so the anointing can flow. And God, we pray, God, that we trust you even in the times of trials and troubles. We trust you, Father. Even when things aren't going according to plan, God, we trust you, God. Because that is what's going to position us for peace. Father, we thank you right now, God, for your peace, God, being ushered into this atmosphere, God, for your peace, God, coming into this place. We do not have to leave this atmosphere still dealing with the same old troubles and insecurities. We don't have to leave this house still dealing with the anxieties of tomorrow, but we can just trust you, Father, with childlike faith, like a child trusts their father, that as long as they trust you, God, and we know you're going to take care of everything. Father, we trust you tonight. With every hand lifted, can we just go into worship? Can we just sing out? Father, we thank you, God. Right now, we usher in your Holy Spirit, Father. We thank you, Father, for working on the inside out. And God, we trust you tonight. We trust you. Come on, let's sing out together. some time in his presence come on let's lift up our hands let's sing together come on put all your trust in the name of Jesus tonight put all your trust in the name of Jesus tonight and you're going to leave this place with the peace you're looking for with the rest you're looking for come on put all your trust in the name of Jesus
press into this moment, begin to cry out to the name of Jesus. I feel His Holy Spirit begin to stir things up right now. But all we need is the name of Jesus. We don't need anything else but the name above all names. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, while press into this atmosphere, seen out to the name of Jesus. Put all your trust into Him tonight. We trust you, Jesus. your hand on your mind right now we're going to pray for the mind of Christ I felt very strongly the fight against anxiety and depression and cloudiness and confusion father right now God we have thank you that we have the mind of Christ father we command all anxiety to go right now in the name of Jesus God we command all depression to go right now in the name of Jesus father all confusion God, all cloudiness, all insecurities, the lies that cloud our mind, we command them to go right now. But we have the mind of Christ, that our minds do not belong to the enemy. Our thoughts do not belong to the enemy. Our minds are not a breeding ground for the enemy, but God, it is holy. God, it is set apart that our minds are dedicated to the name of Jesus Christ. So we command all anxiety, all fear, all lies to go. Everybody say go. Go in the name of Jesus. All those lies must go in the name of Jesus. We will not leave this place insecure or anxious. We're not going to leave this house unsure. But, Father, we're going to leave this place confident in the name of Jesus Christ. Because we know who we are. We know that we are a child, the sons and daughters of God. And that we have the mind of Christ. We thank you, Father, that no more anxious thoughts will cloud us. No more depression, God will keep us up at night. But Father, we have complete peace. In the name of Jesus, we lean into you. In the name of Jesus, we remove all lies and insecurities. We say, Father, let your truth be there, Father, in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, come on. Let's sing one more time. Let's press into worship one more time. But I felt that strong. Just press into that. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the mind of Christ. Come on, let's sing one more time. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.